This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bashore. Welcome to the Side Alpha Podcast. Today's podcast is part of Fire Rescue One's special series coverage titled Your Mayday Survival Guide. You'll find tons of helpful information to not only keep you safe, but information that will provide you the tools necessary to get to safety when you get in trouble or to operate as part of a rescue team. You can reach that special series coverage live now on FireRescue1.com. Before we get started, let's hear a word from our sponsor. This episode of Side Alpha Podcast is sponsored by L3 Harris Technologies. When the heat is on, you go all in. And L3 Harris will be right there with you. The XL Extreme 400P radio is tailor-made to meet the most rigorous fire standards. Learn more at l3harris.com slash fire. That's l3harris.com slash fire. We know we've got the right guest on the show this week as several of our contributors to the Mayday Special Series coverage have referenced his work, uh, him and his work, in their own analysis of Mayday events and processes for this series. Our guest is Don Abbott, creator of Project Mayday. Many of you may remember Don from his work in the, uh, or with the training diorama called Abbottville. Don retired from the fire service after spending 20 years working up to the rank of assistant chief of the Warren Township Fire Department in the Indianapolis area, a department that was later absorbed into the current Indianapolis Fire Department. He then spent more than 10 years traveling the country and presenting uh, Abbottville as part of a training program to fire departments across the country. During his career, Abbott spent years helping to develop and coordinate the Phoenix Fire Department's Command Training Center and later served as the president of the uh, Command Emergency Response Training, or CERT, program. In 2015, Don Abbott launched Project Mayday, which we'll be discussing in quite a bit of detail today. Don, thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. You know, I've referenced your work in several classes and, of course, that of other folks, but um, some pretty unique information came out of Project Mayday. And for those that may not yet be aware, um, let's talk a little bit about the, the beginnings of Project Mayday. And, you know, specifically, I'd like to talk about how you or, uh, you know, your team came up with the idea for Project Mayday. Uh, and if there was a particular incident or impetus that said, you know, that that made you go, you know what, we need to do this. I think there was really two things. Number one uh, was the death of Brent Tarver at the Southwest Supermarket fire. Mm. And then um, I used to have uh, uh, meetings with Chief Bernasini, uh, with Bruno quite often, and uh, I would occasionally pay, uh, play uh, radio, audio, uh, radio traffic of an actual May Day. And uh, one of, the, of our meetings that we had, he said, do you have any that's, you know, really good? <laughs> you know, and I said, yeah, I got a couple. And he said, uh, he, he said, you know, we need more information about May Days. We don't really know 
what we should know in order to prevent them. And so that was the emphasis for basically starting Project May Day was Bruno basically, you know, saying, you know, it's hard to figure out what we need to do when we don't know what the problem is. And so that's when we really started to gather uh, the information. He suggested a survey and we worked through that and, and basically come up with Project May Day as we basically do it today. Mm. Uh, very good. I know uh, from working in the past myself with Chief Bruno, um, you know, he was such a visionary with so many things and surrounded himself with lots of great people um, that uh, it, you know, frankly, it's it's no wonder that he was uh, a part of the discussion in the beginning for the evolution of this yes. project. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, by the last count that I was aware Project May Day had examined over 12,000 self-reported May Days. Can you share a bit about the process of getting that kind of project off the ground? So beyond the idea phase, and now you're at the point where, okay, how do we put this together? How do we fund it? You know, what funding and logistical challenges, I'm interested in, in how it came together uh, and how ultimately you got people to report into it. Okay. Um, you know, when we started looking at, uh, first of all, we got a grant for one year uh, mm. for $10,000 to to try to organize and to prepare what we hoped would be uh, a very detailed uh, collection of data. And uh, reaching out to several different people, some in the fire service, some in uh, in uh, uh, commercial industry who had done surveys for other reasons, um, we decided that that the most important thing, if we really wanted to get the facts and the answers, was um, we don't name names and we don't name fire departments unless they give us permission. And mm-hmm. I believe um, that has a lot to do with it because nobody wants to air their dirty laundry or uh, what might appear to be. Uh, uh, trying to hide something. And and so I think as a result, the thing that really has helped us the most is the fact that, you know, we don't name names and we don't name departments unless we have probably about 400 that have said, yeah, you can use our name and you can use our, uh, and the individual's names. And I have people that are individuals who will allow me to use their names. But for the most part, it's, it's, one of the situations that I think that has helped us. Um, the other thing that I think really helped us early um, was the fact that that we came up with the first year survey questions and realized with the feedback that we got from many of the participants and the people that were reviewing the data um, that we needed to make some changes. So we made changes and we sort of make changes about every two years to our questions so that we can be more up to date with what we're seeing, uh, asking more in-depth questions and those kinds of things. Um, Funding wise, um, uh, we don't, I have no sponsors because I didn't want to be indebted to any particular uh, company or organization. And uh, so basically our funding is uh, when we go out and do speaking engagements, we charge a fee 
and FD goes basically to Project May Day for its funding. Mm. Um, and for the last several years, uh, my wife and I basically have funded it out of our retirement, uh, which is okay because I believe it's an Project May Day, I believe is important to the fire service. Sometimes I wonder and I sort of get down uh, a little bit and then I realize I, I, I get a nice thank you card or a letter or an email. Hey, thank you because you, you saved my life today. You know, eh, okay, we'll keep with this going. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been word of mouth uh, for the most part. The way we get our May days is I get them by email. I get them through text messages, phone calls. Uh, we have seven states now that our fire marshals uh, in those states recommend that they report their May days to us when they do. Uh, we in turn share the information that we get uh, uh, with those states uh, so that they get some information and value out of it as well. Uh, maybe to address training issues or standards or whatever. So um, that's basically how we operate. Uh, we average right now, we're getting about nine a day. Wow. Um, and again, this is self-reported. This isn't like you have to. So we're averaging about nine a day. And yeah. uh, and we take the information down and then it takes me about a week to 10 days to get back with the people. Um, and uh, we set up a, a, a person within their fire department that I can contact and get information that I might need uh, or request. And um, so basically that's how it works in regards to um, uh, how we retrieve the information. We have three questionnaires. Uh, one is uh, the first one that we actually send out is general information about the fire department, number of runs, number of people, number of stations, uh, area of coverage, all that kind of general stuff. Yeah. Um, the second questionnaire we send out is about 188 questions. And it is strictly about the May Day. Uh, we ask a lot of questions. We ask about equipment. We ask for radio traffic. We ask for uh, any uh, documentation, such as maybe an IEP, maybe a tactical worksheet, whatever is available, and anything that they may have done internally to investigate their own May Day. And then once we get it back, we have a third questionnaire we send out. And we usually wait about six months to send it out. And it's the one that sort of over time has been the most alarming because it's about what have you done to fix your problem? Yeah. And we find that most of the people don't do much because they don't think it's going to happen again. So, you know, it's just, well, you know, we'll make a few changes here and here. But, you know, uh, for, but for the most part, we're, you know, we, we think we're okay. Uh, that was just a fluke. Well, it later turns out probably not to be. So um, that's the kind of stuff that we do in order to basically get Project May, May Day information and the, the data and everything after like we want. So. Yeah. yeah, and I'd say rarely is a May Day a fluke. I think, no, uh, it's not. Yeah, there's a history that you were able to point to, and I think we've all seen that. How many questions in total in the three questionnaires? Uh, about 300 questions. So about 300 um, questions, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and that's part of part of the reason that um, 
originally, I, in the first year, my plan was to do all May Days. And then I suddenly realized when I started talking to volunteer fire departments that uh, were reporting May Days, that they didn't have the manpower to do a 300 question questionnaire on their May Day. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. along with some other stuff. So that's when we decided, decided that we have a, the career May Days and we have the volunteer May Days. Okay. And with volunteer May Days, um, we still ask a lot of questions. We just don't ask 300 as we would with a career department. So, uh, but yeah, for the most part, um, you know, we've gotten good cooperation. We're, we're up over 5,000 uh, with uh, volunteer fire departments. So, you know, I think when you look at the 12,000 from the career side and the, the 5,400 from the, the volunteer side, you know, uh, it's pretty good representation we believe of the types of May Days, not necessarily maybe the full numbers, but at least of the types. Yeah. So is that, uh, let me ask you, Don, is that 17,000 in total or is the, is 5,400 yeah. of the 12,000 were volunteer no, it's, Yeah. It's, yeah, it's 12,000 and 5,400 do it. Yeah. Uh, okay. 17,000. So. <laughs> I had to build a shed uh, when we lived in Phoenix and when we moved back here to Indiana, uh, uh, I've got a storage facility now that I store all the boxes in uh, by month and by year of everything that we've gathered over time. That's amazing. Uh, it's amazing yeah, so, and amazing that you've uh, continued to spend your own retirement money on it. Uh, hopefully uh, some folks will help. Uh, so hopefully folks will help contribute to that uh, just from listening to well, this. Conversation. I believe it's important. I believe it's important. I, I think we we can save injuries, disability, and naturally lives if we just sort of realize what the problem is, and there are ways to prevent it. Yeah. So, Let me ask yeah. you on the uh, the issue of anonymity. Um, I you've already indicated that was a key to the success of the data gathering, uh, but you also yeah. indicated there were 400 that have allowed their names or their departments to be used. Yes. Did you find anything uh, interesting in that analysis of the 400 that did allow it? Was there any commonality to that um, or data you can draw out of that or is that still to be done? Uh, some of it is still to be done, but the, real, the, the one thing that did come out that I will say, and I, and I personally hand wrote uh, a, a thank you letter to each of those 400 departments allowing us to do that. But I think that it shows that those departments were not afraid to air whatever their problems were, yeah. you know, and share a lot of people because that's what they're doing. In a lot of departments, I find when I ask the chief, you know, hey, would you mind, uh, you know, uh, writing something up and maybe we could share it with other departments? Well, I, I really don't want to use my department's name. And okay, that's fine. I understand that. But I think when you attach a name to it of a fire department, it means I'm willing to share my mistakes with you so yeah. they won't happen to you. Yeah. And I, I think that's the difference. Yep. Okay. Important stuff there. Uh, we need to pause for just a second to hear a word from sure. our sponsor. When safety is your top priority, you need more than a radio. Meet the XL Extreme 400P tailor-made to meet the most rigorous fire standards. 
This radio withstands blasts of heat up to 1,700 degrees and repeated three-meter drops. Built with material from both their space division and tactical comms, this is one tough radio you're going to need. Schedule your demo today at l3harris.com slash contact dash us. That's l3harris.com slash contact dash us. We're talking with Don Abbott on Project Mayday. Let's uh, jump into the latest research. Um, we talked about the project being divided between volunteer and career. Um, were there, uh, aside from the um, difference in how you questioned, you, you gave fewer questions on the volunteer side just because they don't have the staff to be able to spend the time making that analysis. Was there significant or any significant differences in the analysis between the paid and the volunteer uh, maydays that is of note, you know, causes or, or anything relative to the study that you can share differences between the yeah. paid and the volunteer? Yeah, I think there's two things. One of the things that uh, we found, uh, um, if you look at the top five causes of May Days, mm -hmm. they were the same with the exception of one, and mm -hmm. that is volunteers did not have as many May Days operating on roofs as career does. Yeah. So uh, there was less roof uh, issues. The other thing is that most volunteers, a large number of the volunteer May Days take place during the day, not at night. Mm. And when we looked at the data, it's because they're running short during the day. Yeah. They don't have the numbers that they can turn out at night. And as a result, they're, they're trying to do a lot with a little. Yeah. And sometimes that lot is maybe a little, it's at the edge of being a little bit too much under the circumstances and the situation, and it gets them in trouble. Yeah. But what makes those what makes it worse is is because they are shorthanded and you had that May Day, it makes that May Day a little harder, a little more complicated in most cases, because of the resources that you have uh, to basically respond to the May Day. Yep. Yep. No, it makes a lot of sense. Um you you kind of uh, started to talk about the causes and I want to talk to you about the, the 16 phrases or events that you mentioned in the study. Uh, and specifically, for those that haven't read it, there are 16 phrases or events that were common in May Days. And that um, in 87% of the May Days, at least three of the 16 phrases. And we're going to put a list of the 16 phrases up on uh, the show notes. Uh, and, of course, there'll be a link to uh, the report that uh, you want us to link to, but I'm going to put a, a chart of those 16 uh, common phrases or events that are up there. Can you talk about the significance of those phrases or events and and how um, you know how we can drive home to people to pay attention to that? Yeah, um, how this sort of started in our third year, uh, one actually in the second and third year. Bruno made a comment at a, when we were talking one day that, hey, did you notice that the last two tapes you played, we heard the same radio phrase? I said, yeah. And he says, have you ever broken them down? And I said, not really. So naturally, 
go back and and since then we now listen to these tapes and we have what we call a scorecard and when we hear those phrases we sort of mark down we heard them and at what time in the incident yeah and uh, what we found was is that um it's actually if you want to narrow it down there's actually about 11 phrases nine to 11 phrases that we hear a large percentage of the time but that 87 percent usually when you hear at least two maybe three of those phrases the fourth one you're probably going to hear is mayday 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 yeah because and what it is is here's two things we have found uh, one of these i think is very important um and that is most company officers that we talked to or we interviewed or uh, filled out our reports, et cetera, they have a tendency not to necessarily listen to all the radio traffic. They have a tendency to listen to when they're called rather than listening to everybody's radio traffic. And the problem not listening to everybody's radio traffic is that there may be something going on that's going to affect you in the next 90 seconds yeah and and you and you don't because you're not listening to it or paying attention to it i should say and you ignore it or mentally you just sort of let it pass by and then all of a sudden oh damn you know it's getting really hot in here where'd that come from well if you had heard their radio traffic earlier you would have probably figured out what's going on so one of the things that we've truly learned is is that that Everybody needs to listen to the radio, especially for those 16 phrases that we outlined in our uh, program. Um, mm. The second thing we found with those 16 phrases is there, and we're going back now and we're trying to do this. It's a little bit harder because we didn't think about it at the time when we started this. But uh, the one thing that I think that we've learned about, there's a, there's we hear the one radio phrase and it and it could be and most often is we have fire above our heads yeah or we have fire below us one of the two right we're looking now at going back and actually time stamping a lot of this how much when you hear that how much time passes before you hear the second one you know how much time do you actually have to uh basically respond or uh, act accordingly to protect your group, you know, and that's sort of what we're now looking at is, is we're going back and looking through all of our records when these things were time stamped and so forth as to, you know, do you have time or, you know, do, do you need to prepare for what's going to be next? And here's probably what's going to be next from what mm-hmm. we've gathered from the radio traffic. So that's what we're getting into and that's, when we met for our goals for this year, 2022, one of the three things that we're looking at is, is giving a better understanding to people of the time frame that they've got to react to some of these situations and the difference between the residential response and the commercial response. So we'll get into construction in just a minute. Okay. Uh, but before we get into construction, Let's talk about two big issues that I suspect were were big players in the data, and uh, you know specifically I want to find out what 
what you found with respect to both staffing levels and sleep deprivation, how did the two of those impact uh, the Maydays that have been reported? Well, uh, probably the most in the last 18 months. Um, what we have found is COVID has created problems within the fire service that's been di difficult for us to adjust to. Uh, depending upon the communities, depending upon a variety of other things, uh, because we have people that are going to uh, be quarantined. So therefore now we have to have somebody work their spot. Now we have overtime issues, a variety of things. And we have some people that are working uh, 72 hour shifts, you know, and uh, you have to expect that if you're working a 72 hour shift, there's going to be sleep deprivation. You may not have any runs one night, but you're still gonna be sleep deprived simply because your brain is expecting that there's going to be a run. So you're not getting a restful sleep. Right. You're just getting what we refer to as a nap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so how about staffing levels? Did it, is there any analysis that actually drives um, or conclusions you can drive out of the analysis of well, I think probably the probably the one thing that had jumped out at us that has been repeated by both company officers as well as firefighters in their reports uh, that they've sent us on their May days, and that is when your youth when when you basically worked your most of your career on a four person crew and all of a sudden you drop the three, that may not seem like a lot. But in reality, it is, you know, you as the company officer need to tell your people, hey, we're one person short now, you know, so the things that we normally do with four, we can't do. We're going to be slowed down. We're going to have this problem. We're going to have this problem. I think the company officers need to better prepare their people for that, as well as the firefighters better understand, you know, some of the issues that uh, are basically time connected to the incident because you're working a crew of two or a crew of three uh, rather than maybe a crew of four because you're running short. And, yeah, I, so and I think we're not as prepared as we should be knowing that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially, I mean, the I guess the obvious out of it is we're working harder with fewer people, which is exactly keeping us more longer. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a variety of things. We just had a May Day. Oh, it's been now about a month and a half ago. And uh, it was uh, uh, normally it's a crew of four. They're operating as a crew of two. Mm. Yeah. You know, trying to do the same things that they do it as a crew of four. Right. And a company officer said, you know, I realize now what my mistakes were, you know, and but he said, you know, you get in the habit of this and you're expecting certain things to be done and they're not. It requires you to be in the fire longer, not where you might you might want to be or with the equipment that you wish you had or whatever. It's it's harder to move the hose line in to sure. people. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so it's been interesting to hear their comments. And mm -hmm. at the same time, I think most chiefs, have done a good job of responding to their comments. I mean, the chief's in a tough position as well because you know you, you know, there's things you can and can't do, and, and uh, or can't be done as 
quickly as what we'd like for them to be done. But I, I think a lot of chiefs now are understanding, you know, I mean, hey, they, we got to, uh, you know, the answer is not throwing more money and giving them overtime or, or that kind of stuff. There's, <coughs> excuse me, there are other issues that are just as critical. Yeah. 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 So you mentioned yeah. um, the difference between residential and commercial fires a minute ago. So let's talk construction types. I mean, is there, uh, you know, in, in terms of building construction or types of construction, w- what did Project Mayday find? Was there an analysis that pointed uh, more problems in one direction or the other? Well, I think uh, in newer construction, we're seeing uh, a few more, or a few different types of problems, mainly because of construction. Um, um, in residential construction, we're starting to see bigger homes, uh, yeah. more void spaces. Um, we, one of the things, and I'll, and I'm trying to make some contact here with Dan Malinkowski to talk about it. But one of the things we've ran into in the last nine and a half to ten months is we've had a number of May days where guys went down into the basement. And when they got down to the bottom of the steps, they were greeted with a wall. And you either went right or left or both in most cases. So you had a little stairways going to your right. You had a few steps going to your left. And what we found was if you went right, you were chasing the fire and it was coming in behind them. Uh, so, you know, they went right. Now the fire's coming in on the left side of that stairs. So. Hmm. You know, uh, again, um, we're we're starting to see people in these newer homes, nicer homes, that that step that you're stepping on to go upstairs, check it out because if you lift the step up, you may find it's a storage space, or yeah. there may be a drawer under it, that kind of stuff. Yeah, we're, we're just starting to see stuff that we had not seen a great deal in the past. Commercially, um. All I can say about commercial is, is we're trying to do too much with too little. You know, um, our last significant May Day involving four firefighters in a May Day situation was in an 800,000 square foot building. Yeah. That's you know, they, they went in too far, you know. Uh, uh, they decided that, you know, they ran out of hose instead of stopping and going out, you know. Uh, they decided to get off the hose line and search for the fire. Then all of a sudden, when they found the fire, they weren't sure how to get back to the hose, and three of the four had air issues. Right. So, you know, I think that that we, we've got to be smarter with our resources. You know, I mean, let's face it. If you have an 800,000-square-foot uh, warehouse and there is smoke, and when you enter the door and there's smoke at head level it's been burning for a while yeah. plus it's cold smoke because there's probably sprinklers going off in the building so yeah. there's a variety of issues and we just got to understand that that you know uh 12 people on the scene isn't going to do a lot right. Right. under most circumstances so don't put people in awkward or dangerous situations uh because we're trying to do something we can't do because we don't have the resources to do it. Right. So, 
Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's a, a good segue into the training. Um, you know, what can what can we do? You know, we've said be smarter about it and, and think about the number of people. But how can people use the report and what suggestions can you give people to better train our people to be ready for the Mayday? Not only to be ready for the Mayday, but to be ready to rescue themselves or be ready to be part of a rescue team. I think there's a couple of things. Uh, number one, we got to do more self-survival training. You getting yourself out of your own predicament, whether it's entangled wires, whether it's a floor collapse, whatever it might be. Uh, you've got to do something to basically help yourself until the RIT team can get there. Yeah. The the other part of that is um, is that is that RIT teams. We still need to do RIT training, but we need to understand that that RIT training um, needs to be as significant as possible to the events that you've been seeing. You know, some of them are doing some really exotic RIT training. You know, have you ever seen that? Has that ever happened in, in, around your jurisdiction? Probably not. So sometimes we try to pick up on other people's stuff and it just doesn't work. The other big thing is you got to do RIT and you got to do MAYTAY training at night. Because mm. when they happen at night, it changes the environment totally. And we don't train usually at night. We train during the day. I think, to be quite honest, I think many volunteer fire departments do a better job with a nighttime May Day because that's when they train and, and so forth. Most of the time it's because it's at night. You know, so I think we've got to do more nighttime training to make it realistic because it's hard to find things at night. Uh, yeah. It's there's other issues that are going on besides that. So I think number one is be more exact with our training uh, and run it from beginning to end. Oftentimes we drag the guy to the door and that's when it ends. No, you take him, you bring him out, you get him out of his gear, which is something that's not being taught a lot, uh, how to get them out of the gear, uh, especially if you got to do CPR, how to get them on the cot, get them loaded into the ambulance, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. We just sort of, we stop the exercise way too early because there's a lot to a writ and a May Day exercise besides just dragging them out of the building. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Any other uh, data points or anything else you want to cover, Don? No, I think uh, I just would plug again that uh, um, the sleep deprivation issue has become, I think, very significant. And I think it's going to become more significant over time. And I would say to career guys, you know, if you work part-time jobs or you got stuff, you know, get a good night's sleep before you come to work. Don't, you know, don't shortcut yourself thinking that you might get a good night's sleep when you get to the station because that may not happen likewise with the volunteers you know if you've been physically exhausted and you're going on a run that night be prepared that you know uh sleep deprivation physical deprivation becomes an issue in these kinds of events and it's hard to recover from them so yep yep absolutely well i appreciate you joining us um People can reach uh, you and more information on www.projectmayday.net. 
Uh, I appreciate you being with us today. We'll put a link to that up there in our show notes. We've been talking with Don Abbott. We've talked about Project May Day and uh, some takeaways from the discussion. Uh, it's interesting that uh, as many roads, for those of us that have been in the fire service, in my case, 40 years, for many of us, it's interesting how most roads lead back somehow to Chief Brunacini. And in this case, Project May Day, indeed, some of the routes were with uh, discussions that Don and Chief Brunacini had um, a long time ago. We talked about how the project began with a $10,000 grant, and it continues in funding today with both private funding, including his own personal funding. Uh, they talked about how over 12,000 career uh, and 5,400 volunteer maydays have been self-reported, and only 400 of them have given a name. So over 11,600 or so on the paid side and, and you know, 5,000 or so on the volunteer side have uh, been completely anonymous. So it's an important factor for people that are uh, looking at this. You know, it, we don't like in the fire service to admit our mistakes a lot of time. It's a, a considered a sign of weakness in a lot of cases. Uh, facts of the matter are we need to learn from each other. And uh, this project gives you the ability to report anonymously. Uh, I talked about how they are coming in. They, Maydays, are coming in at the pace of about nine per day and how it takes a couple weeks to get back to folks, two to three weeks to get back to folks uh, to begin the questionnaire process. And the questionnaire process of three separate questionnaires with over 300 questions on uh, the career side, fewer on the volunteer side, and that's only because volunteers don't have the staff to help fill them out. Um, and I liked specifically the third questionnaire, which goes out at the kind of at the end of the evolution of the discussion. The third questionnaire asks folks the hard question, what have you done to make yourself better? What have you done to fix the problems that existed? Uh, we talked about a lot of the differences between not only paid and volunteer um, uh, causes, but talked about the construction differences. We talked about the 16 phrases or events that are common in May Days, including at least three of them being present in 87% of the May Days reported. Uh, Don made a, a personal plea for something that I've advocated for for years, and that is that we need to be listening to all radio traffic, not just our own, uh, and how folks can be more aware of them, of their surroundings. It's kind of a radio 360. Be aware of everything going on around you by listening to the radio and to all traffic, not just your own. Uh, we talked a little bit about sleep deprivation, and that's a topic that I suspect we'll be talking more about and how that's had a dramatic uptick in May Day causes uh, especially since uh, COVID has hit, uh, but it's been an issue for a long time and it's really beginning to come to light uh, more in these reports of sleep deprivation and staffing shortages and how staffing shortages exponentially slow us down, make us work harder and keep us in danger longer and which then, therefore puts people in Mayday situations uh, for longer periods of time. Um, we kind of ended the discussion with a discussion of training and how firefighters need to uh, uh, train smarter, uh, including self-survival training, RIT training, and focusing on nighttime training, not just daytime, but day and night, RIT and Mayday training. And then Don um, asked us to make sure that we run that training from A to Z. Don't just pull the firefighter out and drop them at the front door. Pull the firefighter out, get their gear off, train through all those processes, all the way up to loading them into an ambulance to get them away from the scene. So a lot of good information here on today's podcast on Project May Day. Uh, we appreciate Don Abbott being with us. That's all we have time for today. I appreciate our listeners for hanging in there with us. 
This is Mark Bashore, executive editor for FireRescue1.com and FireChief.com. Have a great day on purpose. We'll see you next time here on Side Alpha Podcast. Keep safe, stay smart, and take care.